Happy New Year to you and a very warm welcome from St Michael's Church Lillishaw and St John's Church Muxton. This is our first podcast for 2021. My name is Matthew and I'm the vicar and it's my privilege to lead you through the next 25-30 minutes or so as we hear from God's word, we think about it and we pray together. First, a prayer for this Sunday as we look forward to the festival or the Feast of the Epiphany which happens this week and is the official end of the Christmas season. God our Father, in love you sent your Son that the world may have life. Lead us to seek him among the outcast and to find him in those in need. For Jesus Christ's sake. Amen. It's a new year and we're going to have a new series of talks. We're going to be looking at the book of Revelation and this week I shall be introducing the topic. But before we do that, let's come before God in acknowledgement that we are in a new year and to look forward to the new year with hope but also to leave behind those things which have happened in the past which we are not proud of and which will not have pleased God. So we come to a time of confession. You might want to join in with these words. Almighty God, we confess that we have sinned against you, for we have denied your saving presence in our lives, and we have grieved your Holy Spirit. Come to us in the fire of your love, and set our minds on the things of the Spirit, that we may share his gifts and bear his fruit, in love and joy and peace. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And when we truly come in repentance to God, we can be confident that he will forgive us. So let's hear some words of forgiveness spoken over us. May the Father forgive us by the death of his Son and strengthen us to live in the power of the Spirit for 2021 and all our days. Amen. as I've said it's a new year and a new sermon series. We finished 2020 on the theme of hope. During Advent and Christmas we were reminded both of the realisation of that hope once in the birth of Jesus and the promise of its realisation again in the future when Jesus returns. It's therefore totally appropriate to look at the book of the Bible which documents the realisation of that future hope, the book of Revelation. First a word about the title of the book. It's revelation, not revelations, as some people tend to call it. The book is a coherent whole. It's not a series of prophetic utterances which are simply connected by authorship, like some of the Old Testament prophecy books. The word revelation translates the Greek word for the title of the book, apocalypsis, from which we get the word apocalypse. When the Bible was first translated into English, the word apocalypse was not in widespread use, 
so the word revelation was used. Today, we're much more familiar with the term apocalypse, perhaps from a famous film using that name, Apocalypse Now, which applied the term to what happened in Vietnam in the late 1960s and early 1970s. We, therefore, have no problem in understanding what the book is about if it's called the Apocalypse. So when we hear the word apocalyptic, we tend to think of cataclysmic events shaking the whole world. The meaning of the word has been shaped by the content of the biblical book of Revelation. However, when we literally look at the components of the word, apocalypse means taken out of hiding or revealed, which is why Revelation is a good translation for the title of the book. Second, a word about the place of Revelation in the Bible. It's written a bit later than most of the New Testament. Most people think it was written about 60 years after the death of Jesus. It provides closure for the whole of Scripture. At the end of the book, there is a solemn warning against adding anything or taking away anything from the book of Revelation. Revelation is given to us as the fitting end of God's word in Scripture, God's written word. In Ecclesiastes 3 verse 11, we read that God has set eternity in the hearts of human beings, yet they cannot fathom what God has done from beginning to end. Deep down in us, we know there is an eternity, but we cannot fully understand it. At both ends of the Bible, we are given words which help us to frame the time-limited existence we experience in the context of eternity. So in the first 11 chapters of Genesis, we are moved from the timeless majesty of God at the beginning of the universe to an identifiable human being in history, Abraham or Abraham. Revelation moves us from identifiable figures of faith, John, Peter and Paul, and therefore all who trust in Jesus as their successors, back to the timeless majesty of God's new creation in Jesus. Genesis and Revelation provide a framework within which we can live in faith while not being able to fathom or completely get to the bottom of what God has done from beginning to end. Large Hadron Colliders and Futurologists may be able to help us understand a bit more of the how and what, but we have been given the answers to the huge questions of who and why, both for the beginning of time and for the future. When I fly in an aeroplane, I hate the turbulence, but I sit through it because I want to be at the place where I'm headed. We know the ultimate direction of the travel of the universe from what we read in Revelation. And although, as we read it, the journey looks like a very bumpy ride, the destination is amazing and one which can fill us with hope and joy. In the struggle against sin and evil, Jesus has decisively won through his death on the cross and resurrection. We are now in a very long mopping up operation where those who refuse to accept the result of that battle, the victory of Jesus, and do not realise that they are on the losing side, and those who are still desperately trying to cling on to their own ideals and vision for the future world order, need to be helped to realise the truth about themselves and the world in which we are living. Not all are willing to do so, and many will continue to refuse to accept what has happened. The role of those who follow Jesus is to take the lead in this mopping up operation, to live, to point to and proclaim the new future 
and to learn and teach the values of the world that is coming. That is why Revelation is a letter to the churches, to those who follow Jesus. So this sermon series is designed to help us understand a little better the way God's purposes are working out and will work out with reference to the book of Revelation. We're not going to go through it chapter by chapter, but we hope over the next few weeks to provide some pointers that will help us to read it with more understanding. Let's hear our first passage from Revelation for today. Revelation 1 verses 9 to 19. I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. On the Lord's day I was in the Spirit, and I heard behind me a voice like a trumpet which said, Write on a scroll what you see, and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia and Laodicea. I turned round to see the voice that was speaking to me and when I turned I saw seven golden lampstands and among the lampstands was someone like a son of man dressed in a robe reaching down to his feet and with a golden sash round his chest. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze, glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun, shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and behold, I am alive for ever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. Write therefore what you have seen, what is now, And what will take place later? The mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and of the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. John, the author of Revelation, was in prison on the island of Patmos. This is where he had the vision. If we had read the first eight verses of chapter 1, we would have heard from where the revelation came. God gave it to Jesus, who has made it known by sending his angel to John, who testifies to everything he saw. Testify is a really strong word. In the Greek, the word has the same root as martyr. Testifying is not just saying something, it is staking one's life on its truth. This is not the ramblings of an old man, but is truth for the whole church for all time. John describes what he sees as prophecy, and we may therefore assume that he is talking about the future. However, he describes everything that he saw as in the past. 
It is almost as if he has been taken outside the constraints of time and is able to look back on some events which are happening and some which are yet to happen. This means that we should be careful not to assume that the chapters of Revelation are simply describing future events in chronological order as they will happen. In the same way as the four Gospels look at the life of Jesus from different perspectives, it may be the case that in the book of Revelation there may be some overlap. We may read about the same events from a different perspective to broaden our understanding of what is clearly pretty hard to grasp. Let's zoom now into the first three chapters which I want to concentrate on for this week. They come in the form of letters addressed to the angels of seven churches. The word angel could be referring to heavenly angels or a human messenger, a herald for each church. The word angelos can mean simply a messenger. Some say they are the personification of the spirit of each church. I'll not spend time on this. You can decide this for yourself. But why seven churches? These churches, which are named, are all within a few miles of each other in the Roman province of Asia, in what is now Turkey. Seven, in Hebrew, is the number of completeness or perfection. So some commentators have taken these churches to represent all types of Christian congregations, which are characteristic of John's time through to the present day. Others see them as a preview of the history of the church, on a course to Laodicean lukewarmness. What is clear is that these letters are much more succinct and direct than anything Paul wrote. They also have a similar format to each other. There is commendation and encouragement, condemnation or complaint and correction. If we were to apply the same framework to our churches today, what would Jesus see to encourage and commend? What would he see to condemn and correct? Should we hold up our church life against each of these letters? I'm certain that there will be some things at St John's and St Michael's that Jesus sees and is pleased with. There are other things that he won't be pleased with. What is clear is that we should never rest on our laurels when we read what he is pleased with, but should welcome correction, because this is what will enable us to overcome. Correction will bring life, both to us and to others among whom we live and speak. Look through these letters and the characteristics that are commended. For example, faithfulness, perseverance in the face of opposition, love and faith, holiness. And then look through these letters and the characteristics that are condemned. For example, unfaithfulness, compromise with non-believers, allowing people among us who lead us astray, sexual immorality. And then let us look through the life of our churches and take responsibility for our own behaviour, living in the light of what is commended and putting it right. The church has a very important place in the future of the universe. We are called to fulfil an incredibly important role. And Paul reminds us of this in the letter to the Ephesians. Ephesians 3 verses 7 to 13 I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given me 
to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you therefore not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you which are your glory. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As we enter a new year filled with uncertainty, there will be hope that things will change for the better with widespread protection from disease through vaccination programmes. There will be a fear that things will get worse as we face a more virulent strain of coronavirus. There will be disappointments and hurt as the economic consequences of what we have been living through bite hard. In the midst of all this, we are reminded today that the wisdom of God should be made known, not just on earth, but to the authorities and rulers in the heavenly realms. We are the living proof of the eternal consequences of Jesus' victory. We should therefore take courage in the face of trouble, difficulty and suffering, because our ability to overcome these is not dependent on our own strength, but is a demonstration of the power of Jesus' victory. Paul goes on in the next verses to pray for the Ephesian Christians that they may be strengthened and filled with the fullness of God's love so that they can rise to this calling. We, the church, are the recipients of the book of Revelation and we are here to point the way into the future. We can do this by experiencing the presence of Jesus by the Holy Spirit in our lives more fully now and as we become more resilient in our faith and constant in our love. I pray that whatever challenges we face in the year 2021, and they will be many, that this would be a year in which it becomes more obvious that each one of us belongs wholeheartedly to Jesus and that his victory is won in us. Let's affirm our faith in God now as we say these words. If I say the words first and you repeat them after me. We believe in God, who is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. We believe in God, whose kingdom is everlasting whose dominion endures forever. We believe in God, who is faithful to all his promises and loving to all he has made. We believe in God, who opens his hand 
and satisfies the needs of all things living. Amen. For our prayers today, I'm going to use a traditional form of praying called a litany, which is a series of one-line prayers. And when I say, Lord, hear us, would you respond, Lord, graciously hear us. Jesus, word of the Father, speak for those who have no voice and stand by, powerless, while others play with their lives. Lord, hear us. Lord, graciously hear us. Jesus, child of Bethlehem, remember now those children who are born to struggle, whose mothers have no milk and whose fathers have no bread. Lord, hear us. Lord, graciously hear us. Jesus, refugee in Egypt, remember those who have been terrorised out of their homes and now try to sing their song in a foreign land. Lord, hear us. Lord, graciously hear us. Jesus, carpenter of Nazareth, remember now those who work with their hands but see their jobs being taken over by others. Lord, hear us. Lord, graciously hear us. Jesus, teacher of Galilee, remember now those children who think they cannot learn, that success is always for someone else, that theirs is a lost cause. Lord, hear us. Lord, graciously hear us. Jesus, friend of the poor, be a friend to the invisible poor in our neighbourhood, those we never notice, the empty and lonely ones, the exhausted and silent ones. Lord, hear us. Lord, graciously hear us. Jesus, healer of the sick, remember now our broken humanity and touch with your tender love all those who cannot trust their bodies to be whole. Lord, hear us. Lord, graciously hear us. Jesus, light of the world, remember now those whose sight is growing dim and who fear the dying of the light. Lord, hear us. Lord, graciously hear us. Jesus, door of the sheepfold, remember now those other sheep of yours who feel the church is not for them because they are not good enough or cannot understand the language or do not know the entry code. Lord, hear us. Lord, graciously hear us. Jesus, bread of life, take us, pray over us, break us open and share us out that the church may feed and fill the world with your generosity. Lord, hear us. Lord, graciously hear us. Jesus, prophet of Jerusalem, speak judgment to our complacency, cry aloud to our disobedience, that the manipulator, the torturer, the abuser, the destroyer may turn back to your ways of justice and peace. Lord, hear us. Lord, graciously hear us. Jesus, man of prayer in Gethsemane, remember now those who are overwhelmed by the prospect before them and are on their knees with nowhere to go. Lord, hear us. Lord, graciously hear us. Jesus, Victim on the cross, remember well those who hang there beside you, martyrs and fools, heroes and villains, victims of murderous regimes, and people who were in the wrong place at the wrong time. Lord, hear us. Lord, graciously hear us. Jesus, risen in the garden, bring us to the terror and beauty of your risen presence, 
that we may be an Easter people of unshakable hope. Lord, hear us. Lord, graciously hear us. Jesus Christ, ascended Lord, work through and watch over our bewildered society that the kingdoms of this world may become the kingdom of our God and of his Christ. Lord, hear us. Lord, graciously hear us. Jesus Christ, Lord of all, Son of Righteousness, Rock of Ages, Lamb of God, Living Water, True Vine, Day Spring, Messiah, Lord and King, come again, come again in glory. And we conclude by saying the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. At the moment we're still able to continue to meet, to worship in church with limited numbers. Don't forget to book in advance with Leslie at St John's or with Francis Taylor at Lillishall if you wish to come. So let's hear some words of blessing pronounced over us. May the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be among us and remain with us and with those we love, now and always. Amen. Amen.